Welcome to Southern Sisters Radio, the show for Southern women and the men who adore them. Join us as we celebrate life from a Southern point of view. Here's your host, author, founder of Southern Sisters Home, Jenny McCormick Earhart. Hey there, and welcome to the Southern Sisters Radio program. Here we are in the South, and it's a Saturday, and I'm relaxed. Yes. Oh. You know, Saturday Saturday is the reward for enduring the week. Isn't it? Uh-huh. Especially when it's been a week like this one. It's been a tough one, right? Yeesh. It's been a well, little crazy. Traffic's also been yeah. doubly as awful yeah. because, oh, yeah, you know the road that everyone's been using to get mm-hmm. past, you know, the road that collapsed? Right. We're going to close that okay. one, too. <laughs> Great idea. Okay, so I saw this, this I guess, meme on, on Facebook, and it was the four horses of the apocalypse, like, coming towards you. And on the breastplate of each one, like one said, I-85. The other one said, I-75. I-20. I don't remember what the fourth one was. Probably I-285. Yeah, well, I think it was, actually. It's insane. Crazy, crazy. But you know what? Right now, we're not in traffic. We're right here. And I always do say, even when I'm stuck in traffic, it's an opportunity to kind of, if you can get beyond the stress that you inevitably feel when you're behind the wheel, uh, of any metropolitan city, quite frankly, mm. right? Not just Atlanta. True. Um, for me, it's an opportunity to kind of relax. It's all about my music. I'm listening to my That does keep me calm. <laughs> Very it, true. It tends to take the edge off of my road rage. Yeah, I've noticed when I'm sitting in this traffic, <laughs> I can't listen to my rock music. Right. I got to go more like jazzy. Yep. <laughs> kind of keeps yep. my mood down a little while. I know, Someone right? cuts me off. I'm just like, whatever. Just, just just chilling out with some, you know, Miles Davis, and I'm as calm as can be. Perfect. Right? Life in the fast lane, not so much. Yeah, because the fast lane's going, what, 15 <laughs> know, right I now? Know. It's not going very fast. It's not. Well, guys, we are so happy that you're here to join us, quite frankly, every Saturday. We love that you're here as part of our show. You know, we are the show for Southern women and the men who adore them, which means that uh, we're really the show for everyone. Because yeah. you've got a woman in your life. You either are a woman or you have a woman in your life that you adore. You've Absolutely. Got, you've got several. And right? even if you're not a Southern woman, mm. you got a little bit of Southern in you somewhere, right. no matter where you're from. It doesn't take long. It's <laughs> like you move to the South. It's kind of like a virus. It grows on you. Get you get infected. It? Yeah, yeah. It's the good kind, though. <laughs> not the zombie apocalypse kind. <laughs> It's a positive thing. It's a positive thing, right? Uh, And we are just so happy to celebrate life in the South. And we love to talk about everything on this show, from food to culture to entertainment. Mm -hmm. Um, We're working on a travel segment for next week on Savannah, Georgia, which you guys are going to have to be sure and tune in for. It's going to be a lot of fun. Nice. Got some behind-the-scenes secret for you for how to get the most out of your trip to Savannah. Oh, some insider tips. Insider tips. Nice. Yeah, Southern Sisters is, uh, we got some connections down there. Let's, (laughs) Let's just put it that way. You know, last week, we were... We were busy at this time last week, oh, Nick. You know, because yes. you were there. Yeah, we right? were at the Pinners Conference. That was so much fun, wasn't it? Fun. That was so I much am so fun. glad you enjoyed yourself because it's a little bit hard to explain to people if you haven't been there. Was it what you thought it was going to be? It was. It was actually not what I thought it was going to be. It mm-hmm. was a lot more shopping and creativity being put out there than I thought. I spent way more money than I intended while I was there. Isn't that the truth? (laughs) I mean, I came home with everything from jam, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, to, uh, oh, I bought some of those peach skin bed sheets. We did, too. (gasps) They're amazing. Are they amazing? And we got the bamboo pillows. Oh, you got the bamboo pillows, too. Aren't those wonderful? I came home right away, and I I always wash things before I put them on the bed. So Uh I washed the the, uh, peach skin sheets and put them on the bed. Earl Earl and I got in that night, we were just kind of like, ah. 
I mean, it was just, I don't know what it is. You, you don't heat up. It's some kind of microfiber yeah. material. They, they're soft, mm-hmm. but they're not like hot. No. You know, because you know those nice soft you know, sheets you put right. on in the wintertime and they kind of get a little too warm maybe if you don't have they the They heat you fan. up yeah. a little bit. Those are nice not all, at all the way around. Mm-mm. Oh, they're great. I am loving Those are my new, I really kind of want to get a second set. You know, you only got so one. I only got one. We got two. Did Come you? on. You got to go all me. in, Jenny. Well, these were the kinds of things that we saw at the Penner's conference, right? <laughs> yes. you, we both got sheets. Um, yeah. And then, oh, one of my favorite vendors was a, the wonderful little uh, jam lady that was across the um, the passionate preserver, I think uh, is her name. Yes. Isn't that, isn't that yes. her? She is wonderful. She's from the metro Atlanta area. So for those of you um, that have not heard of her um, the passionate preserver. Her name is Brenda. She is adorable. You can find her online. Mm. She she makes homemade jam and she sells them. She sells the jars. Mm-hmm. I got a little tiny jar right here. This is her p- bourbon peach jam. Yeah, she had a. She definitely knows what's going on because she had bourbon ones and right. moonshine ones. Her moonshine and a mixed wine berry flavors. There. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's she. I like her. <laughs> I like her. She's a woman after my own heart. Let me tell you right now. She had one that was uh, I think blackberry and lavender, which yes. is amazing. So she just takes kind of um, flavors that you might may or may not have put together before and combines them. You know, I think this bourbon peach jam, this would be a, an amazing glaze on a pork tenderloin or a ham Ooh, or something like that, really right? good, really good point. Yeah, amazing. Ooh. I want to give a little shout out to Brenda at the Passionate Preserve. If you guys are looking for sort of a unique Mother's Day gift, check her out online. I, I, I came home with about eight jars. Yeah, we brought Rebecca. (laughs) Rebecca got quite a few of them. (laughs) You know, my daughter, my daughter flew down from Washington, D.C. to help us with the Penners Conference because we had a lot going on there. We had we were broadcasting or doing a live recording of our show. Right. Nick was there for that. Uh, We had our Southern Sisters retail booth, which was, you know, we were selling our our beautiful linens and our pillows and our a really sassy, fun flower sack towels. So we had a great show Which there. Which is gorgeous setup, by the way. Did you like if it? If you folks didn't go, you missed out. Ginny broke out the hardwood floors yeah. and the lighting was great. I mean, seriously, it was mm-hmm. super cool. Thank you super for saying cool. that. I, I, I had to bring it. I had to bring it. There's a little bit of pressure at those shows. Just a little bit. There's a the little bit of uh, booth envy. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Well, I'm sure people were having booth envy for well, yours. Thank you for saying that. I've been on the other end of booth and I've been I've been at these shows before where I had the uh, the saddest little booth in the in the in, you know in the entire place. And I kind of learned over the years, you know, if you want to make a good impression at these types of shows, you got to bring it on, spice it up. Mm-hmm. We had ten foot walls and our beautiful products mm-hmm. were all over them, and we had a blast. And then I got to say, I had a lot of fun at the uh, teaching the chocolate class oh, on yeah, Saturday. I'm sure that was a blast. Mm-hmm. We had a sold out class, which nice. made me very happy to hear. Oh, that people were that interested and we we gave away some free things and we made an amazing dark chocolate ganache tart Mm. with a cherry vodka sauce oh my gosh hello and i had i had one that was pre-made and then i had one that i made during the demonstration Mm. that's kind of how it worked back in my tv days that's how we always had to do it you had to have the finished product already done yeah and then you had a second one that you 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 were in the process of making absolutely and so um it was so it was great but you know at the end of the demo we had this one that we had just made uh, that was sitting there, and we didn't know what to do with it. We had to pack up and get out of the kitchen, you know. So we had a little uh, swarm of women around us who came up afterwards, trying to get a what bite. You, yeah, well, I mean, think about it. You either have to give it away. It's you can't take it home because I had yeah. two more days at the conference. Um, you either have to toss it in the trash, which is a tragedy. Oh, don't do that. Mm-mm. No, 
No, chocolate in distress. And I think I think everybody <laughs> knew that. So they came up and volunteered to finish off the chocolate tart. There you go. It was, it was so wonderful. It really was. So the Pinners Conference guys, they'll be back again next year. And, mm-hmm. and we hope to be there again. I do want to thank you, though, for all of your hard work, Nick. You came out and were just a breath uh, of fresh air. I just came out and pushed buttons. All those That's ladies all like you. I don't know what it is. Uh, you got is that the appeal. Beard? Is it the beard, beard maybe? Yes, the manly beard. It's the beard. <laughs> it's the beard. Not everybody can not everybody can grow a beard like that, Nick. <laughs> and I'd also like to thank thank my uh my son Jack and his dear friend Mark who uh, were kind enough to drive a 15-foot U-Haul truck to get us oh. there and back. I was a little hesitant handing over the keys. I wasn't sure they'd ever driven something quite that long before. They did a good job. They didn't hit right? a thing. There you go. They Perfect. Didn't well, was, they didn't hit anything, but they told you about. <laughs> they told me about it, right? <laughs> I got the deposit back when there we returned it in. So that's, that's, that it's, it's all good. It's, it's fantastic. You know, guys, we have been uh, talking a little bit uh, lately about the idea of happy hour. I know that's something that we have. Uh, kind of shared a little bit in the past mm-hmm. before. We've had Girls' Night in, right? Jenny's Girls' Night in has been a very popular topic here on the Southern Sisters radio program, uh, typically where we're pairing nibbles and bits and things to eat with really fun cocktails. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to tell you, we have a, we're reinventing that at the Jenny Earhart home. Really? Earl and I are. Yes. Oh. I uh, And I've got some theories on that. And uh, since we're running out of a little time in our first segment, we're going to roll that into our second segment. Ooh. So I don't want you guys to go away. It's a tease, It's folks. a tease. <laughs> happy hour. Homestyle happy hour. And it's not what you think. Oh. Well, it is. But it's not always what you think. It's, there's more to it than what you're thinking. You nice. know what I'm saying? Yes. Well, guys, we're so glad that you're here to join us. And we will be back for the next segment with the food. And welcome back to the Southern Sisters radio program. We are in segment two, which I fondly refer to as my favorite segment, the food. Yum. Food is always my favorite part of anything that I do. I agree. Yeah. It's kind of it's norm for the South. Isn't I agree. It? it is for the South. Well, so much of our culture is, you know, based on food. Very true. So many of our family uh, gatherings are, you know, we sur- surround ourselves with food, right? Absolutely. From weddings to funerals, yeah. right? Always an excuse to eat. Absolutely. That was, it's really funny you South. say that, though. That was one thing. I had a friend who, uh, in high school, we had to attend a funeral. And after the mm-hmm. funeral, we went to someone's house and it was kind of mm-hmm. the after thing. And they're like, really? We're serving food? I'm like, dude, you're in Georgia. Like, right. You're the upset, more, the better. You upset. You just eat about it. You eat. We. It's always been that way culturally. Yeah. I don't know if that's as much. You know, I know that some Italian households up in the Northeast food. They do a lot of food also. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really uh yeah it's all about it down here in the South. I have two cookbooks: Sunday in the South and Seasons in the South. Mm-hmm. And I cannot tell you how many suggestions I've had from folks when I'll do book signings. They'll say, "What's your next? What's your next book?" Uh, and um, working on one now. Uh, uh, but one of the su- one of the suggestions I've had is funerals in the South. Uh, it doesn't seem like a good. It's theme morbid. For a book. It's morbid. <laughs> I would, I'm not going to do it. But you know, they did say I-, I could almost see incorporating something into a celebrations in the South. Uh, well, that's not a celebration. A yeah. funeral is not a celebration. <laughs> that's a toughie. That's a toughie <laughs> to fit into kind of the lighthearted tone of your cookbooks. I know, right? But, but you're right. It, I it's, know. It, food is an integral part it of is. that. 
too. Baby showers, you know. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever gone to weddings, funerals. I don't know if I've ever gone to anything in the South Mm -mm. with like a Southern host that didn't have at least something to nibble on while you were there. I know. I know. We're good at the nibbling. Oh, yeah. Southern sisters are good at the nibbling, which brings me to our next subject, which I'm kind of rolling into the second food segment there. I'm going to talk to you guys about what I call a home style happy hour. Okay. Now, I. Any of you who may have ever purchased a home that was built in the 70s and the 80s may notice something. I actually noticed this in two of my houses that mm-hmm. I've lived in over the past 15, 20 years. Both of them uh, had wet bars, a wet bar yeah. in, in like the um, like in the family room or, or kind of off the family room. Yeah. Right. My uh, my husband's last house had one sort of in the light. There's like a library, two story library room. And there was a, there was a wet bar in the corner. Hmm. There was a time when the concept of, um, I guess, entertaining and having a bar, right, and having a little wet bar where you would have happy hour in the evening, that was a big, big, big deal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, if you watch any of those HGTV shows, you'll see that half the time now when they're going in remodeling old homes, they're tearing out those old wet bars. Yeah, I know. They, people don't really want them anymore. It's you know? sad. But I think it's a throwback to the, to, to the day when happy hour, or shall we, at, at the very least, a cocktail when you got home from work in the mm-hmm. evening was was more of the norm. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Times are changing. Now when you get home from work, what you're doing is throwing on your, your tennis shoes and taking the, the kids to soccer practice. Yeah. You're it's busy. a different You it's don't a different get to world. come home and sit down. I you know. come home and you go to work. <laughs> right. I know. But you know what? I've been thinking about that lately. And maybe it's because, maybe it's because the kids are out of the house now. It does get easier. Once the kids are out of the house, God, you will please. see the. <laughs> you will you will enjoy this one day, Nick. I promise I got you. Like it does sixteen get so much years, better. but yeah. Hey, I paid my dues. You're paying yours now, but it, it will be wonderful. But I was thinking about it the other day. I was perusing my garden, and I just have it's overflowing with mint and lemon balm and mm-hmm. herbs right now. And I started thinking about uh, when Earl got home from work. I thought, you know, we could have a little our own little happy hour, just the two yeah. of us. You know, talk about our day, that kind of thing. That's a good now, point. Now, I didn't dress up and put on high heels and pearls and meet him at the door. That's not what I'm talking about. No. no. But what I did do was I whipped up a little pimento cheese, right? Oh. And I went out to the garden and I picked some lemon balm, which is literally taken over one corner of my garden. Really? And I've been at a little <laughs> bit of a loss on what to do with lemon balm. We're going to talk about that a bit in this segment. But you know what I did last night for cocktails? Mm. Um, I grabbed some lemon balm and a couple of sprigs of rosemary. And I got two, uh, like, double old-fashioned glasses, yeah. just kind of the short glasses. And I put in a little ice, right? Okay. And what I did was I kind of kind of crushed the lemon balm and kind of shoved it down to the bottom of each glass. Mm-hmm. I actually did that first, put in the ice. Um, and then I added uh, some Prosecco. I had a bottle Ooh. of cold Prosecco in the back mm-hmm. in the back of my fridge. Now, that's just a cold, uh, chilled sparkling white yeah. wine. A lot of people will use that instead of champagne when they make a mimosa. Yeah. It's nice. It's a little bit sweeter. I love it. Um, and so I, I typically try to keep one of those in the refrigerator because you never know. You never a know girl never just... knows when she needs a bottle of Prosecco. <laughs> um, so I, what I did is I filled the glass up about two-thirds. I added a splash of orange juice on top, Ooh. stirred it around good. You know, Now, I had crushed that lemon balm before I shoved it in the bottom of the glass. Mm-hmm. So it released some of those yummy oh. lemony oils yeah. in that, stirred that up, and then I put that little sprig of rosemary down in there. In essence, it, very similar to a mimosa in mm-hmm. that it had orange juice and, and Prosecco, <clears throat> sparkling white. However, um, with the addition of the, the lemon balm and the fresh rosemary, it gave it more of a um, an herby flavor. You Ooh. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Very gardeny, very springy. Ooh, mm-hmm. that sounds good. Earl was impressed when he walked in. Well, and that's my thing. I'm not very much of a 
wine drinker right. in general. Right. Um, I can enjoy a little bit of a white wine, but uh-huh. that sounds like you're kind of adding, I don't want to say was, earthy because that's not the right word, but it's yeah. it's like a light earthy, that yeah. the, the herbs and stuff. That it was. Delicious. It gave it a nice flavor and I whipped it up in the two minutes. I mean, yeah, there was nothing. Not hard. If you go, <laughs> it's not hard mixing it together. Um, if you know, But like I said, I'd like to keep a bottle of wine. I'm either, I either need it for cooking or drinking. Usually so, both. So typically... <laughs> Sometimes both. So it, was, it was so good. And then we had a, uh, I had whipped up a little bit of a pimento cheese earlier. I, I threw in some chopped jalapenos to give it a kick. Oh, there mm-hmm. you go. And I even chopped up some pecans, kind of put those on top. Do you know what would be wonderful mm. on some pimento cheese? Because I love the whole sweet, savory, or sweet, fruity, and cheesy dishes. Mm-hmm. A spoonful of that bourbon peach oh. preserves, right? Ooh. From the Passionate Preserver. It does Spoon a little bit of that over your pimento cheese. It'd be amazing. Oh. So we had, I call this homestyle happy hour, and we sat on the porch. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I think some people don't do that anymore because they almost feel like they should be ashamed for taking some time out to themselves once they get home and, because yeah. we're always going and we're busy and we're doing and you're yeah. supposed to be productive and there's nothing wrong with kicking your, like you said, kicking your feet up on the porch and sipping on a drink for right. a while. It's the whole, you know, the whole stop and smell the roses kind of thing. Yeah. You know, we don't have to go 100 miles an hour at all times. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm thinking, um, you know, even if you have kids around the house, there's nothing wrong with saying to the children, um, mommy and daddy are going to take 20 minutes to themselves. We're going to sit on the porch and we're not to be disturbed. <laughs> I don't see now, depending on the age of the children, that may or may not work. You don't yeah. want to leave them unsupervised if they're little, little <laughs> ones. But I do think you reach a point in your, you know, with the children when they need to understand that mom and dad need a little bit of time together, too. And that's yeah. what's good for mom and dad is good for the whole family. Absolutely. How about that? So I, I'm, I'm referring to my homestyle happy hour, right, as uh, moments of calm civility in an otherwise chaotic world. Mm. Because That's it is very well worded. That's right. true. Gosh. That's so true. Because we're living in pure chaos right now, if you ask me. <laughs> Don't get me started on all of that. So back to the lemon balm. I I, uh, I threw a baby shower. No, I'm sorry. A bridal shower last year for my mm-hmm. daughter-in-law. And I gave as a party favor. Everybody got a little lemon balm plant in a little terracotta pot. Right. Nice. Little tiny thing. It was about six inches tall. Teeny tiny little things. Right. Mm-hmm. So after the party was over, um, rather than letting it die, which is what I usually do with any kind of <laughs> potted plant that's given to me, I just said, you know, I'm take it out, stick it in the garden. Just went out there, plopped it in the garden. The thing is five feet tall oh my gosh. and about five feet wide now. Wow. And it's just taken over one corner of the garden. So I've been looking for ways to utilize this lemon balm. And oh, I've yeah. come up with a few for you guys that I think you're going to love. I'm going to post these on the website too. Always remember anything we talk about on the show in terms of recipes and ideas are also on our website, southernsistershome.com. Mm-hmm. Just click on the blog and you'll see it. How about if you've got some lemon balm in your garden, and if you don't, I I suggest adding it. It has a nice, mild lemony flavor, not quite as acidic as a lemon itself. Okay. Gotcha. Smoothies, you can toss it into a smoothie. Good point. Gives it an, it's healthy, you know, got a little bit of green in there, but it adds that nice element of citrus, Ooh. mild citrus. And another great way to utilize your lemon balm is with simple syrup, which is a wonderful little southern thing that we we know here in the south. I'm not sure if they use simple syrup elsewhere in the country, but we do it well down here. Are you talking about Cairo? <laughs> not quite. Good try. That was a good try. How about this? One cup of packed lemon balm leaves, one cup of water, and one cup of sugar. You bring it to a boil in a saucepan. You know, boil it until the sugar dissolves. Remove it from the heat and cover it. Let it stand for about 30 minutes. You want to strain 
clean the leaves from the syrup and then store it in the refrigerator. Mm. Let me tell you, this is a fabulous way to sweeten and flavor lemonade, iced tea. You could even, here's a cocktail idea for you, pour it into a little bit of club soda. You have almost like an Italian soda or oh. vodka or whiskey for a nice summery cocktail. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. You know wow. what else? I, this is what I'm going to do with some of my lemon balm this weekend, guys. Roasted chicken. So what I would do is I would take about two tablespoons of chopped lemon balm and about a fourth of a cup of softened butter, and I'm going to rub that mixture into my chicken. I like to butterfly my chickens and lay them flat. They cook quicker. Mm, yes. But then you can butter and season both the top and the bottom. How about that? Ooh. You can also use your lemon balm to infuse honey. You can use it to infuse vinegar. Oh. Oh, yeah. Incredibly flavor, incredible flavored vo- uh, vodka and the honey. I love that idea. Oh, wow. You can do the same thing with mint, by it's the like way. It's more versatile than lemon itself. How about that, right? Wow. Lemon balm, folks. If you don't have some, pick some up. But just remember, it might take over your garden. Oh, do have a bagel, bagel. Now, don't be so bashful, Nashville. Everybody eats when they come to my the Southern Sisters radio program. Uh, I do like this song. This is perfect. Oldie but goodie, right? Great. And very true, because most of our mothers did prepare us for the fact that not every day is great, mm-hmm. right? You know what I'm saying? We have our share of bad days, and uh, I, I think, think my mother prepared me for the bad days. Yeah. For the most part. There's always that little bit of I told you so they get to do when you grow up, right? Yeah. Oh, that's that's allowed and expected, oh, I yeah. think. <laughs> But for those of you that are mothers, and you know what? I think this applies to fathers, too. And we know that here on the Southern Sisters radio program, we have a lot of male listeners also. And we are so appreciative of both of you, right? The women and the men. But in this case, we're talking about motherhood. Now, motherhood, think about it. For nine months, you carry your child in your tummy with every thought and body change reminding you that your life is about to be forever different. That's one way of putting it, right? You anticipate the greatest odyssey known to mankind, raising another human being, right? It's a a sobering responsibility. At least I always thought thought it was. After birth, you pass through the cuddle stage. Right. Then you've got the toddler stage, which demands your every moment. Right. Mm. Probably not having too many homestyle happy hours when you've got toddlers. <laughs> it's a little harder then. <laughs> um, and you soon progress to the preschool years. Right. How about the middle school saga? Oh. It is a saga. It's worse than high school, if you ask me. Oh, yeah. It's got to be. I think girls are meaner in middle school. I think people in general are meaner because they're old enough to have the (laughs) cognitive ability to tell you that they think you're a stinky pants. Obviously, much worse than that in high school and middle school nowadays. But they don't have the empathy yet. They don't. That I think some high school kids have. I agree. It's it's, it's a lack of that disconnect in between. I don't know if it's the brain development or. It's the whole, I'm going to tell you how I really feel and then I really don't care how you feel about it. (laughs) Vicious, some of them. And then by the time you get to high school, I think a lot of them just sort of. They find their their peers. They find their little groups that yeah. they're comfortable with. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's not quite so bad. I agree with the empathy thing, yeah. definitely. <laughs> and then finally, we're launching towards graduation, Ooh. right? So for nine months and a 
approximately 6,570 days. Oh, it's so terrible when you (laughs) word it like that. (laughs) You've only got 5,432 to go, Nick. No, I'm teasing. (laughs) Your entire life has been consumed with thoughts of their Mm well-being, right? Their growth, their maturity. And then, bam, they leave the nest and your role forever changes. Yeah. And this does not have to be a bad thing. Now, when my first daughter went off to college, I remember coming home after dropping her off at the University of Georgia. I walked into the house, went straight up to her bedroom, laid on the bed, and cried. I mean, and I think that's probably a, a normal reaction for most people. When yeah. you're first, when you're oldest, you know, what I, and right. it's, it's tough. That's yeah. got to be tough. I know. Because you just spent the last vast majority of your life raising mm-hmm. them and teaching them and protecting them and caring for them and then... You're just like, right. all right, here's life. Poof, go do it. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I think maybe part of the anxiety uh, comes from n- maybe then not fully understanding what our role in their life is now. Yeah. As mine often like to tell me when I ask them what time they'll be home when they come home from college and they're staying <laughs> at the house, they often t- will tell me, I don't call you up and tell you what time I'm going to be home when I'm at college, when I'm away. <sighs> do you see? You see, so they go off to school and they're more independent. And so for parents, a lot of times it's how do we parent them? And then they graduate from college. Maybe they get married or at least they're independent adults. We Mm -hmm. hope. Right. That's what we're. (laughs) That's the The goal. goal. (laughs) (laughs) You may or may not be there. But how does a mom go from being needed to not being needed? Right. Or at Mm -hmm. least not in the same way. Yeah. Right. You always kind of need your mom to some extent. Absolutely. How does she thrive in a role that's unchartered? And better yet, how can she relearn the way she's always, you know, performed motherhood? It is not easy. It's not easy for fathers either. Mm -hmm. Right. Yet never before has she needed probably assurance and guidance than before. I mean, she really you need to understand what you're doing as you move into this sort of new role and adjusting your expectations, redefining the boundaries that you might have with your child. Oh, yeah. I've had to do that a little bit. I can. I mean, like I said, I'm 25. I'm I'm, I'm not too far away from that age, I guess, of the, the leaving the nest. And you're right. There's a little bit of an adjustment period there of. Yes, I'm still your baby, but I am an adult. Right. And it's a little complicated working out those kinks at first. It's very, it's very complicated. And a lot of times you break your teeth on the first one. You figure it out. I think it's a lot easier for me now with my third and fourth children coming up. I kind of made the mistakes with the first one. Mm. And they've done that a little bit, maybe. Yeah, she'll, she'll tell you. She knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but for the most part now with the later children, I think I've got a little bit better hand on it. And one piece of personal advice that I have found, and I've got some other little uh, suggestions here to share with you, but from a personal perspective, I have found that as the kids are older, as they are developing their own life, their own interests, they have their own responsibilities, I do a lot. I, I find that it goes well. When I do a lot less talking and a lot more listening, Mm. I'm no longer guiding their every move. I'm no longer um, sort of direct, you know, when they're little and basically you have to kind of direct when they're very young and then you start to back off some. But at this point now, I find it's I find I get the best response from them when I don't initially jump in with advice and suggestion. I I hold back a little bit. I wait for them. If we're in a conversation. I make sure that I listen thoroughly to everything they're saying. Guess what? Sometimes they just want me to listen. That's true. It's not that they're not. You may find this to be true or as the kids get older. It's not that they're always looking for me to jump in and solve a problem for them. Sometimes just being a sounding board. 
Absolutely. I think that's something that I you know ran into with my mom is, yeah. you know, you used to, I would come to you and you'd tell me what to do. And now I don't really want you to tell me what to do, but right. I, I need just you to listen to me right? and tell me it's going to be okay. Just I like when know. I was little. Yes. That's all I need you to do. That's right all now. you really need. And that's an important part of their life. You know, and you can still have so much to give and offer in terms of the relationship to your adult children. Hmm. It just doesn't look like it used to look. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Correct. How about some ideas of ways to consider fostering a great relationship with your adult children. I love this one. Nurture what lies in your control and forget the rest. Okay. Mm -hmm. Don't fixate on the things you can't change. As moms, we do ourselves a favor if we let go of what we can't fix, change or reverse. All right. You know, pray over your children. It's it's God can change something if he wants to, but it's not your role necessarily to jump in there and fix everything. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So sometimes you just have to let things go. How about taking responsibility for your power of influence? Now, that's that's an important thing. Um, Though our time with children under the roof may be over, our influence is not. So we can still influence them we just want to be careful how we do it Mm. it really at this point if you have adult children it should not come across as a dictatorial method you see what i'm saying very true and be very cautious because like i said sometimes they're just wanting a a listening ear (laughs) not necessarily for you to dictate how they should solve their problems Mm. um i find um i will preface sometimes i will say something like you know you might consider or what about, you know what I'm saying, yeah. rather than telling them? And then I, it's very important, folks, don't get offended if they don't take your advice. Yeah. You know? Because we still know better sometimes. Right. Even I have though a... you've proven over and over that you do know better. <laughs> you probably we do. We still know better. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying you don't know better. I'm just saying be careful how you share that with your yeah. job, right? How about creating a positive environment? Now, this this requires a climate where we let our children make their own decisions And likewise, let them handle the consequences. Mm. Okay. This is very true. I heard a recent show about student loan debt, (laughs) about a a parent whose, it was the child's decision to attend a particular university that was very expensive and required a great deal of student loan debt, which the parent co-signed for. Okay. And is now sort of uh, in a situation, yeah, kind of on the, kind of on the hook here. So, you know, consider that as, as something, you know. These are a lot of times adult decisions that your children have made. and Sometimes they do have adult consequences that they have to learn to deal with, right? Um, It's also good to consider your adult child's feelings even over your own needs. Now, this, in my opinion, is a big no-no. When we we get older and and our children are older and suddenly we think, ah, this is, you're my friend now, right? And, And some of that is true. However, we start burdening our adult children with too many of our own personal problems. They're really not our best friends. As much as you'd like to say, my mom's my best friend, well, she is and she isn't. You know what I'm saying? There are things you would do and say to your uh, best friend of your own peer age that you would not probably say to your to your mother. Very true. You know what I'm saying? So we cannot expect our children to fill an empty void mm-hmm. in our life at this point, right? Um, so that's important to remember. Um, recognize and respect the differences that you may have with your adult child, mm. right? I actually had uh, someone call me out on this once in reference to some of the interests that my son had in relation to video games and technological things. And I thought, well, that's not how I'd spend my free time, right? Mm-hmm. He was doing great in school, but he still had an interest in in areas that I had no interest Mm. in. And I kept thinking to myself, well, why doesn't he do this or that? If it was me, I would be doing this and that. And I had a friend call me out on this. She actually said to me, so the problem's not him. The problem is you. 
And I realized she was right. Yo, she did. She called me right out. She said, he's not you. He's not like you. Respect the differences. Wow. Right? They're they're not little mini versions of us. They are their own people as God made them. Yeah. What do you think? That's tough. It's still hard to watch them grow up. Mm. You know? Think about that that next time, guys. We are so happy that you're here with us today. And we'll be right back with our final segment. Just pulled in the Georgia. I've been driving through the night. Thought I'd grab a little bit of breakfast when I saw the yellow sign. I'm headed to Tennessee. My man's coming home to me. So, miss, if you could rush that food to me. Welcome back to the Southern Sisters Radio Program. You are listening to the official Waffle House Classic Jukebox favorite, right? Volume 2. Because there's a volume 1 also. Of course. (laughs) I love that. Well, this may be one of those little-known facts about Waffle House, and that is that they have their own music label. Can you imagine such a thing? It's great. Isn't it wonderful? Oh, I love it. Well, guys, you know the soft glow from Waffle House's black and white sign. Sorry, black and yellow. Oh, yes. Black and yellow sign has been beckoning hungry travelers to stop, rest, and dine for over 60 years. I mean, sometimes you just got to have some Waffle House, don't you? Of course, yeah. Is there, you know, when you're just craving it? All the time? Yeah. Every day? Well, (laughs) I could. I could. You know, um, I, the only thing that bugs me sometimes is they bring everything on a different plate. Yeah, and I just I just want to scrape it all together and put it on one especially plate. Especially when you get the um the all star. Yeah, yeah. You got the eggs uh-huh. and the toast and the grits and the waffle and uh, yeah. yeah. I just need a big old trough. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that Dip has to in. be separate is mm-hmm. the waffle. The waffles True. on its own plate because it is its own right. deal. Yeah, with a little thing of butter uh-huh. and that syrup. Oh, oh my word. Gosh. I'm loving it. That really sounds good. That was one of my parents' favorite places to go for dinner, believe oh, it or not. They just they they'd stop by and we've been to Waffle House. I'm like, really for dinner? <laughs> if you don't know, but they got an amazing menu. Now, even the most devoted uh Waho sa- patrons, <laughs> you like that Waho? Waho. <laughs> Waho patrons may be surprised with some unusual facts about the company. Now, first of all, we can't we can't talk about Waffle House and not talk about the hash browns. Okay? Now, yeah. do you know the meaning behind all the different little uh I guess they would be adjectives. The smothered and the covered and the yeah. scattered and yes. the. Yes. I, I actually don't know. I okay. thought it was just witty. Well, it is, but of course it all means something. We know that, cool. right? Number one is just the traditional plain, just scattered. Just your hash browns. Scat- yep. Scattered means they've just scattered it out on the grill. Yep. Just plain, right? Then there's scattered and smothered. Do you is know what that one is? Cheese, right? Uh, onions. Onions. Okay, so that's scattered with onions, right? So scattered and smothered. Then you've got scattered, smothered, and covered. Covered as cheese. Very good. Okay. So that means onions and melted cheese. How about this one? Scattered, smothered, covered, and chunked. Chunked is ham. Ah, very good. I wasn't even sure about that one. (laughs) You know that one. How about this one? Scattered, smothered, covered, chunked, and topped. Is that mushrooms? Chili. Chili. Ah. Oh, yeah. You can make a meal of it. chili. Right? So you've got onions, cheese, ham, and chili. I was say that you can go to Waffle House and get like the big hash brown yeah. and do all the craziness and to just, it, yeah. and that's all you eat. I can, and you're yep. full, right? You got protein. You got <laughs> yeah. everything you need there. Quite <laughs> frankly, your, I guess your veggies. That would be the potato. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> how about this one? The last one, the sixth way: scattered, smothered, covered, chunked, topped, 
and diced. Diced. What's the diced? Um, ooh, mm. Is it tomatoes? It is. Tomatoes. Good job, yeah. Nick. You know your Waffle House. I go to Waffle so that house is too much. onions, cheese, ham, chili, and diced tomatoes. <laughs> that is a meal. Yeah, That's a is. meal. That's a meal. And then you get the single or the double or the triple. Yep. Huh. Mm, wow. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> we might have to go there for dinner tonight. That just sounds really good. <laughs> it does sound good. Yeah, breakfast for dinner was one of my kids' favorite things when we were growing that's up. That's the best. I think they felt like we were breaking the dinner rules. Yeah. You know, eating breakfast for dinner. That's 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 scandalous. When you're a little kid yeah. and you eat breakfast for dinner, it's exactly how it feels. Right? Like you're breaking like, the rules. Like you're and getting like, away with something. I'm breaking the rules and mom is, and mom is <laughs> encouraging it. I know. Yeah. I love it, right? <laughs> okay, so think about this, guys. In a year, Waffle House serves 25,000 miles of bacon. Wow. Can you imagine that? If you laid out all of the Smithfield bacon that Waffle House serves in one year end to end... It would wrap around the Earth's equator. That's, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of miles of greasy goodness. It's a lot of bacon. It's a lot of bacon. <laughs> Everything's better with bacon. Uh-huh. Now we touched on this at the beginning of the segment. Waffle House has its own music label. Indeed, it does. The Yellow Roofed Restaurant has been concocting its recipes since 1955, but it began creating its own music more than 30 years ago. If you scroll through any Waffle House jukebox, there are 40 original Waffle House songs. Can you believe this? Wow. I love that. Hard to believe? Well, listen to one of Waffle House hits entitled, There Are Raisins in My Toast. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I got exposed to Raisin Toast, by the way. Really? Was it Waffle House? That's one of my favorite things. I saw them once and I'm like, what? Raisin in your toast? What? what?" My dad was like, just get it. And I got it with some of that apple butter. Mm. Oh, oh, yeah. So good. (laughs) So good. I love that. Okay, so Wahoo's musical playlist doesn't stop there. Do you know the franchise has also dipped its toes into the syrupy waters of gospel music? Really? Waffle House gospel. You learned it here <laughs> on the Southern Sisters radio show. That's awesome. You got to find some of that. That's great. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I think Alan Jackson actually did a song for Waffle House. Because, you know, you go and they've got the jukeboxes, yeah. which, by the way, if you go into a Waffle House, now they've got the new fancy, like, digital jukeboxes oh, in there. Because, you know, they used to have the old ones with the turnstiles right. and everything on it. You had to flip through. Yeah. Now they've got the fancy blue ones that ah. you can, like, swipe your card. It's all kinds of fancy. But you go through the Waffle House label list, yeah. and I think Alan Jackson has a Waffle House song. I did, I did take a look at the playlist, and there are various artists, so that oh, would yeah. not surprise me. Alan Jackson, go figure. That's so cool. Did you know that school buses inspired the restaurant's color scheme? Huh. Uh-huh. Co-founder Joe Rogers Sr. picked the colors yellow and black because it reminded him of a school bus. He thought it would increase the restaurant's visibility to drivers. It's a common misconception that the founder chose the colors because Joe was a graduate from Georgia Tech. That's not the reason. Because oh. those are their colors, too. Hey, right. that's kind of neat. Yeah, and that's it does cool. kind of it does stand out. That's true. Have you ever been on the highway and you're driving and you can see? I mean, that Waffle House sign pops. Either you see the, the sign or, like you said, you see the yellow roof yeah. and you know what it you is if what, it's got a yellow no roof. No question, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Just iconic, an uh-huh. iconic sign. Um, how about this one? You're gonna know. Okay, now I knew this to be true before I started researching Waffle House because I actually listened to an entire documentary once about the subject. Huh. FEMA. The Federal Emergency Management Agency, right, has a Waffle House index. What? Okay, let me explain this. Waffle House takes its commitment to being open 24-7 seriously. If disaster strikes, the chain has its own disaster management plan, which includes buying portable food generators, ice, and food in advance. 
one of the first places the Federal Emergency Management Agency turns to gauge a natural disaster's severity is Waffle House. They refer to it as the Waffle House Index. (laughs) That is awesome. Your house may have blown away in a hurricane, but you can get your scattered and smothered. Wow. I remember right. when we had the big snowstorm a few years ago. Yeah. That I, you know, I'm up up, up 75 way towards Kennesaw a little right. bit. And there's a Waffle House right off of Chastain in 75. I know it. And we went yes. into it and we were like, you uh-huh. guys are open. And the guy looked at me and goes, yeah, we're Waffle House, man. We never close. And about they that? had the waffles and everything set up and they had a portable yeah. food generator outside. Is that crazy? That's so funny that this FEMA is... detects off of that. I know. The Waffle House <laughs> Index. I think it was on NPR or something. I was listening a whole hour long show about the Waffle House Index. That's and how great. Incredible. And particularly along the coast, you know, the, the oh, South Carolina yeah. where they get, get more, hur- mm-hmm. more susceptible to hurricanes, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, the Waffle House Index. Guys. So if the Waffle House is open, it ain't that bad. It ain't that bad. It's all going <laughs> to be okay. Great. <laughs> now, you may also know that Waffle House has its own merchandise. Of course. Yes, right? You can buy t-shirts and things of that nature, which I love. Did you know that Valentine's Day at Waffle House is a big deal? For the past eight years or so, designated Waffle Houses have organized romantic candlelit dinners for couples on Valentine's Day. The idea began in Johns Creek, Georgia. That that? that is awesome. And now over 150 restaurant locations actually participate. Now, this begs the question, folks. If your husband told you he was taking you to Waffle House for Valentine's Day, would that be a good thing Uh, or a bad thing? Saying this as someone who, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Valentine's Day is important, I would say that'd be okay as like a before or after or like... You know how it's like, yeah. hey, here's your gift, and you open it up, and you're like, really? And they're like, haha, gotcha, here's the real gift? Gotcha. I think that would work out. Like, we're going to mm-hmm. take you to Waffle House, and like, a really? And then you get to yeah. Waffle House, and you're like, don't fill up, because we're going to the really fancy steakhouse ah, down the road next. You gotcha. know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that would work. Or you pop out a really nice gift. Yeah, maybe not. As the whole kitten caboodle. You would have to know your wife very well. Very, don't you think? Don't do this with a short-term girlfriend <laughs> no, that you've just Lord. had for a few months, guys. <laughs> this is not going to work not, out for you. It will you. not go over well. Or you can try, and if it works, put a ring on it now. Oh, <laughs> don't hesitate. Right? Jump on the opportunity. Just jump on it. <laughs> that is hilarious. I can't imagine. Yeah, you know, I don't think it would bother me. But that's me. I'm I'm easygoing in my old age. A candlelit dinner at a Waffle know. House. How about that? How about this concept? I thought this was fascinating. Waffle House has a unique call-in system. Now, have you ever noticed, and I'm going to look for this the next time I'm there, have you ever noticed that colored tile on a Waffle House restaurant's floor, okay? Well, the sales associates are instructed to stand on the colored tile when calling in an order. That way, the person working on the grill can easily hear the order. No way. Look at the floor next time. I have noticed that. Okay. Well, what? apparently, the way they designed it, that wherever that tile is, is the best place for the for them to call in the order. That is to be awesome. heard. I know. I thought it was just like a oops, it popped up, and this is what we had, so we fixed it. That's great. Crazy. <laughs> now, the support team, or AKA the higher ups. Okay. You got it. The higher ups. The support team spends one day a year working in a Waffle House restaurant. Now, although Waffle House's support team isn't involved necessarily in the day-to-day operations of the restaurant, team members who work in Waffle House's corporate offices spend at least one day a year working inside the restaurant. Good. I think that's cool. I think it's great. That's great. You can never get too hoity-toity about Very Waffle House. true. Got to pull you back down to earth every now and then. And believe it or not, Waffle House got its name. Can you have any idea? <laughs> Other than uh... the obvious. <laughs> 
Here was the rationale. You would think it was just because they serve waffles, which they do. But they're named originally after their most expensive menu item. Waffle House's original menu had only 16 items on it, and its most expensive menu item at that time was the waffle. The founders named the restaurant after the waffle because they thought that would generate a greater profit. Wow. It's been you know, surpassed by the steak now, I would think. Wouldn't yeah, you? The T-bone. Yeah. Waffle House, y'all. We're so glad you were here with us this week. Visit us at southernsistershome.com. Send us an email. We'd love, love, love to hear from you. Radio at southernsistershome.com. And have a great week.